Okay, so tonight, let me introduce natural tendency has a major impact on our emotional health. Again, the premise we're talking about is body and spirit inseparably connected. Things I believe about myself have an impact on my physical body, on my physical health, my spiritual health, my emotional health, my mental health. So let me try not to get on my soapbox for this one because I have watched for all these years our natural tendency to do this. Let me introduce it with a story you probably, a story you know, followed by a, a story you probably don't know. I think you all know the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath, right? David is not a member of the army. David is a shepherd boy bringing food to his brothers. He shouldn't have even been there. The army is being led by Saul, King Saul, King of Israel. And Saul has led them faithfully for many battles. But now they're facing a foe they've never faced before. The Philistines say, hey, we've got a great idea. We'll send our best. You send your best. Those two will battle it out. And whoever wins, wins for the whole team. Well, that's great if you have a nine foot, nine inch giant. Not so great if you don't. So Saul is just, I don't know what to do. David comes along and says, I'll take him on. And everyone laughs. And Saul says, okay, at least put my armor on. And can you imagine this little teeny guy in Saul's armor? No, he takes it off. And David goes out there and defeats Goliath. Now that's the story you know. The story you probably don't know is what happens when they went home. What happens when they went home? What happens to Saul and what happens to David? when they went home. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel 16 is the story of David conquering Goliath. Let's go to 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 17 is David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Ready? As soon as they come home, the women start to sing. Oh, I know what happened. And tell me what they start to sing. Um, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Now, guess what's about to happen? And this is the ugly side of all of us. This is the moment... A beautiful woman walks in the room and oh, she's so pretty. This is the moment we find out that our high school friend is now just a tech startup and just made a million dollars his first week. This is the moment something good happens to someone else. And guess what we do? Verse 8. Saul was very wrath. And the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousand. And to me they have ascribed 
Notice the word here. But thousands. To David they have ascribed 10,000. And to me they have ascribed but. Tell me what he's doing with the word but. He's comparing himself. Okay, I think I get the comparison. To David they have ascribed, and to me they have ascribed. But what's he doing with the word but? It's step one to compare. What is he doing with the word but? He's tearing his accomplishments down because something good happened to someone else. Because she's beautiful, I'm a loser. Because he's successful, Isn't this pride? I'm less. Isn't this pride, though? Yep. Total pride. But it's the, it's the act of comparing ourselves to others that God is doing something good in their life. And we're tearing ourselves down. The but here is the tendency to tear me down because something good happened to you. Because Heavenly Father is being kind in your life at this moment and something good is happening, I tear me down. It's a natural tendency and we all do it. We compare ourselves and tear ourselves down. And then what does he do with David from this moment on? And what can he have more but the kingdom? David or Saul eyed him from that moment. This is a horrible way to live, but it's so natural, right? We naturally notice the things where I have a weakness and someone else has a strength. We Notice and compare and tear ourselves down. We butt ourselves. Now, I think it goes all the way back to what I call the original temptation. I think you all know what the original commandment was. But do you know what the original temptation was? Long before the temptation to partake of the fruit... Long before he got to Eve and convinced her to partake of the fruit, Satan had already tried something else. Let me see if I can suggest this is the original temptation. Turn with me to Moses. Pearl of great price. Let's go to Moses. Moses chapter 3. Now I'm going to act this out. And I need you guys to tell me how to act out this scene. Okay? So this is Heavenly Father telling Adam and Eve, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. You got the setting, right? Notice I've emphasized the word every. So this is Moses 3. Moses 3. So... Pretend you're the director and I'm the actor. How would you direct me to act when I say the word every? I say gesture to every tree in the Of every tree. In other words, you would tell me to point out what? All of them. 
all that you have, all that you can do, of every tree thou mayest freely eat. Just not this one. Tell me what God will always point out in your life. What will He always emphasize? All that you are. That's what we get from Heavenly Father. Look at all the trees I planted in this garden for you. Look at everything I did in your life. Look at all the blessings that you have. Look at everything great in your life. Behold, of every tree thou mayest freely eat. Now watch Satan use that exact same word. Watch the play on that word. Now go to the very next chapter, chapter 4, verse 6. Now you're sorry, verse 7. Now tell me how to act this out. Ready? You be the director. We're filming this little scene. Now I'm Satan. My line is, wait a minute. Didn't God say you could eat from every tree? From every tree? That's my line. Now direct me. How do you have me act the word every? I say, from every tree? Tell me what I'm pointing at. I'll probably specific. What am I pointing at? The one tree I can't partake of. Satan has a tendency to say, wait a minute, didn't Heavenly Father say you could eat from every tree? Didn't he say you could eat from every tree? Satan will always do what in your life? That is our doctrine. God will always point out all that you have. And Satan will always point out what you don't. Probably because what we have is something he doesn't even have. Mm. So why, so so I guess in this case, he wants us to join in misery by looking at something that we want. Mm -hmm. And obsessing Mm -hmm. over what we can't have. Mm Now, can I ask, can I ask a penetrating question? Which of those two do you most listen to? That's a humbling question, isn't it? Because I think we all know the answer. Do you listen to the one who has a tendency to say, look at all that you have. Look at everything I did when I made you. Look at every blessing. Look at the goodness all throughout you. Or do you listen to the one who whispers into your ear, but what about what you don't have? Which one do you listen to? It's the natural tendency to to focus on what I am not. Is that because... We want to be stronger because we want want to be better. I don't know. All I know is it's a natural tendency. And we're doing what to ourselves? 
We're tearing ourselves down. I think I know why people don't like to see pictures of themselves. All my life, I've noticed that you show a picture to someone and they hate it. And here's my theory. I think we have a tendency to look in the mirror and ignore the 99 wonderful qualities that I possess. And say, look at the quality that, that is either weak and just, or missing. Yep. And we obsess over what I don't have. Because we want to fix it. That's at least my, that's at least what I see. It's like, and when I look at a picture of myself, guess what I realize? Oh my goodness, everyone else sees it too. <laughs> and we hate that. You think that's bad? Look at a video. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, let's do another one. Everyone turn to Doctrine and Covenants 25. This is God speaking to Emma. Let's do section 25. President Nelson once said that Section 25 has the secret of life in it. I'll let you find that talk. But Emma had some wonderful opportunities. But Emma never saw the plates. Emma never saw the plates. And if anyone deserved to see the plates, I think Emma deserved to see the plates. Eight people were chosen to see and testify of the plates. And then three people, 11 people, and not one of them was Emma. Now listen to what the Lord said to Emma. And allow me to modernize or expand it to all of us. Tracy? Sorry, what did you say President Nelson said about this section? President Nelson said this section is the secret of life. He, he asked us to go read section 25 and we will find the secret of life. Those are my paraphrasing his words. Don't search for those words because I don't think that was the word he used. But the Lord said to Emma, murmur not because of the things that you aren't. Murmur not because of the things that you don't have. Murmur not because of the things that you can't do. If I may, I see a possible problem with this type of taking this type of thinking to extreme as much as I see it doing the opposite. Thing is, is that um, say that it's that I hate that I can't control my temper or something like that. Um, that's something that we can work on and improve on. But in order to improve on it, we need to recognize it or at least give it a little bit of attention. We can't just turn a blind eye to what's wrong. Yeah. So how do we turn, not turn a blind eye to what's wrong, but also not fixate on, on it so much so that it destroys us, so that we're in the proper place so we can properly address give, it? Give me a few minutes. Give me a few minutes because we're going to turn to the anti, what I would consider the anti, the anti Saul in the Book of Mormon. I think there's a lot of answers to that. How do I not fixate on my weakness, but acknowledge and improve my weakness? That's a great question. The thing is that the way I see that what you're teaching us is that don't fixate on your weakness, yeah. especially when someone else's strength. They compare. I often said the. The phrase at one point, or wrote it down, the comparison kills confidence. Yeah. 
But the thing is, though, is that if we don't acknowledge those traits, they'll never get better. Right. So let's focus on... So I, I was just wondering, yep. what's the balance? We'll get there. What I want to do is focus on why I don't have it. Why I'm not. Why does she and I not? Why does he? What I love about this verse, murmur not because of the things that you don't have and you can't do and you aren't. And then he gives a profound truth. I have withheld them from thee, which is wisdom in me for a time to come. You are exactly what you need to be. You are where you should be. You are what you should be. And the things that have been withheld have been withheld because he knows something about me. And there's a test, a challenge, something. I am the reason you're not seeing the plates, Emma. I am the reason you can't get pregnant, Bailey. I am the reason that you don't and can't and aren't. And what I'm asking you is to understand that there is wisdom. There is wisdom in what I've done, in the creation that I have made. There is wisdom in who you are and who you aren't. Therefore, don't what? Don't murmur and don't compare. Trust. Don't fixate on what you aren't and tear yourself down because someone else is what you aren't. Let me give what I think is part two of the antidote. I would say part one is, I understand that it is wisdom in him for something that's coming. It is wisdom in God that I face the challenges that I face. We could spend a lot of time on that one. If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. What's the next sentence? I, I what? I give to men I give. Therefore, your weakness is a gift. Your weakness is a gift. If you come unto me, I'll help you see it. Your weakness is a gift. It is withheld from thee, which is wisdom in me for a time to come. Now, let me suggest that there is an antidote in the Book of Mormon. What's that? It says that make weak things become strong. Yep. If. Notice there's an if there. You have a weakness that can become a strength if you acknowledge the weakness is a gift and you partner with me to overcome it. Not obsess over it, but partner with me to overcome it. So there is an antidote. There's an opposite. The Book of Mormon is so beautiful at presenting the opposites when we don't sometimes have one in the Bible. So Saul is jealous of David. Saul had been leading the army, and David comes in and conquers Goliath, gets all the glory. 
Can you think of a, a moment in the Book of Mormon where someone is kind of in that same situation? Five friends, you got it. Five friends get struck by, down, by an angel. Four of the friends go where on a mission? They go to the coolest mission that has ever existed, right? And when do the five friends meet up again? What are the four doing when they meet up again? They are bringing back the fruit of their labor. See all these Lamanites? We baptize them. Where is Alma coming from when he meets Ammon? A city he failed to convert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A city. Not only did they not get converted, they got destroyed because they burned women and children oh, yeah, in it. Yeah. He is coming from Ammonihah, looking back on utter failure. Ammon is coming from, we converted all these thousands of Lamanites. Now, do you see the potential of Ammon and Aaron tearing themselves down by comparison? Okay, so may I suggest, may I suggest, turn with me to Alma chapter 29, Book of Mormon. Alma chapter 29. May I suggest there are two pieces to the puzzle. Number one, Alma 29. Alma 29. Oh, that I were an angel and could have the wish of my heart. I wish I could have been an angel. I wish I could have, I wish I could have spoken with thunder and people would know that I, my testimony was true. Now, may I suggest this is part A. This is an aha moment. Allow me to call it an Alma 29 moment. Somewhere along the way of your life, I would pray that you have an Alma 29 moment. And that moment is where you finally say, I know what I am. I know that which the Lord hath, and I think we could replace this with many words. I know that which the Lord hath made me. I know that which the Lord hath given me. I know my part here. I know what I can and can't do. I know what I am. And then what's the moment? And I glory in it. I glory in what God has done in my life. I am a divine creation of the most brilliant being ever. I know who I am with all my imperfections that he has withheld. And I glory in it. I glory in who I am, where I went, <coughs> what I can do. Now, some people push back and say, well, you can't do that. That's pride. No, no, no. It's not pride if the following follows it, right? It's actually pride when you do the comparison. You're the one that's typically doing the prideful thing when you're tearing yourself down. 
It is not an act of pride if I include the following sentence. What's, what comes after that? I glory in who I am because I don't glory in myself. I don't claim credit for it. And I don't claim I'm better than you. I glory in that which the Lord hath done. It is not an act of pride to be grateful for what God has done in your life and what you are able to do. I glory in who I am. I had the assignment to go to Ammoniah. And that was the right place for me to go. I know who I am. Now, I think until you have this moment, you'll never have a chapter 14 moment. In order to have an Alma chapter 29 verse 14 moment, you have to have an Alma 29 verse 9 moment. You have to say, Lord, I am grateful for what I am. I am grateful for the contribution that I can make. I am grateful for who I am and I glory in it. And the moment you have this moment, what can you then do? Alma 29, 14. Because... He can glory in him and his creation and who he is. What happens? I am, say it, Abby, I am no longer threatened by what you do. Instead, I, I rejoice in the good things that happen to you. I rejoice in all the good things that are happening in your life because I acknowledge what? The good things that are happening in mine and what God has done in my life. Do you see the key? Do you see the antidote? You will never have this moment. My joy is more full because of her. Let me give you a couple of examples, some very real life examples. I was teaching this lesson once to a bunch of college students, and one of the girls in the class shared with me a situation I'd never pondered. She said that she was in love with a boy who was in love with another girl. So girl number one has a crush on boy who has a crush on girl number two, and girl number one and girl number two are in classes together. They, They see each other often. So girl number one sees girl number two all the time, knows that I like him, but he likes her. And she confessed that every single time I see her, every time girl number one sees girl number three, two, she asks herself, why does he like her and not me? And it doesn't take very long before her to say what? Oh, that's why. It doesn't take very long before she can clearly have mounds of evidence. Oh, that's why. That's why he likes her instead of me. Tell me what she's doing. She's budding herself because of something good in this other girl's life. But somehow, somehow, 
if she can have this moment, if she can have an Alma 29.9 moment, tell me what happens over there when this happens here. Do you see the two command? Do you see the two commandments here? First, love God, and then love neighbor. Part of loving God is acknowledging what God is doing in my life and filling my life with gratitude for the goodness of what He's done. I glory in it. At the moment, girl number one has an Elma 29.9 moment, what will happen to girl as she looks at girl number three? Oh, she is so beautiful. She is so beautiful. And I rejoice in her beauty because I know good things are going to happen to me. See how hope from last week comes back into, I know good things are going to happen to me. And I can rejoice in what's happening to you because I know good things are going to happen to me. Do you see the antidote here? Tracy. Well, I just um, was thinking about verse uh, 4 in Ephesians 5, 
Yeah. You know, he didn't just go there saying, oh, these are terrible people. Mm-hmm. That's, that was the whole mindset. He let himself he, see the light. I love that phrase. He let himself see the good. He stopped the competition. And he saw the good. Uh, two more examples. I think we have time. Um, my oldest two are girls, two years apart. I'll let that just distill upon you. <laughs> my oldest two are girls, two years apart, right? Can you picture their whole life, their whole childhood? Now, my oldest is model thin. Right after giving birth to her third child, she looked like a 17-year-old. My second daughter has always been the athlete. She's always been stronger, bigger. And instead of embracing that, can you imagine how she felt? Because she has this petite, model-like older sister, she always felt she butted herself. I will never forget the day they went clothes shopping at the beginning of a new school year. Mom took both of them out to find some clothes. The second one tried on larger clothes than the first one. The younger daughter tried on bigger sizes than the older sister. Now tell me what happened. Daughter number two comes home, super depressed, emotional, distraught, angry, upset, tearing herself. She's budding herself, right? And that had been a struggle for many years. So I went to see her and she and I had a little chat and she was mad. And I asked her a question. I said, her name's Brittany. Brittany, if you, if you could have Ashley's body, but you had to be Ashley and not Brittany, would you trade? I was shocked by her answer. She didn't hesitate a second and she said, no, I don't want to be Ashley. (laughs) I don't want to be Ashley. She said it just like, I don't want to be Ashley. And I thought, you like being Brittany. Why is it then that you don't embrace what Brittany is? And you're constantly tearing your stuff down because you're not Ashley. You would rather be Brittany. Now, my daughter took a long time and it was a long struggle, but I'll never forget the Alma 29.9 moment when she finally embraced who she was and stopped the competition and can look at Ashley and her joy is moreful. Her joy is moreful because of her sister. Now my last example, and I'm gonna bring the picture up and I don't, okay, I'll read it from here. My last example, I read with a tender heart because it is Patricia Holland. I want you to imagine being married to Jeff Holland. 
Can you imagine being married to Jeff Holland? The apostle, the president of the university, everyone's favorite, the bubbly, happy, outgoing. Can you imagine being married to Jeff Holland? Tell me the years of comparison that occurred here. Let me read her own words. She had an Alma 29.9 moment. And she's able to now look back and realize her Alma 29 moment and embrace her husband's good qualities without the competition. Let me read her, her very powerful words. All right, here is Patricia Holland. I'd rather have the picture up, otherwise I'd show you the words. Our Father in heaven needs us as we are, as we are growing to become. He has intentionally made us different from one another so that even with our imperfections, we can fulfill his purposes. My greatest misery comes from when I feel I have to fit what others are doing or what I think others expect of me. I am most happy when I am comfortable being me and trying to do what my Father in heaven and I expect me to be. For many years, I tried to measure the oft times quiet and reflexive and thoughtful Pat Holland against the robust, bubbly, talkative, and energetic Jeff Holland and others with like qualities. I have learned through several fatiguing failures. Let me read that again. I have learned through several fatiguing failures that you can't have joy in being bubbly if you are not a bubbly person. It is a contradiction in terms. Now watch her Alma 29.9 moment. Ready? I have given up seeing myself as a flawed person because my energy level is lower than Jeff's. And I don't talk as much as he does nor as fast. I don't think that took just a little bit of time. I have given up seeing myself as a flawed person because my energy level is lower than Jeff's and I don't talk as much as he does nor as fast. Now, what does an Alma 29 moment do? Giving this up has freed me to embrace and rejoice in my own manner and personality in the measure of my creation. Ironically, it has allowed me to admire and enjoy Jeff's qualities even more. Somewhere, somehow, the Lord helped me see that my personality was created precisely to fit the mission and talents he gave me. Miraculously, I have found that I have untold abundant sources of energy to be myself. But the moment I indulge in imitation of my neighbor, I feel fractured and fatigued and find myself forever swimming upstream. When we frustrate, when we frustrate God's plan for us, we deprive this world and God's kingdom of our unique contribution and a serious schism settles in our soul. 
We just have to be willing to do it our way. God never gave us a task beyond our ability to accomplish it. We just have to be willing to do it our own way. We will always have enough resources to be for being who we are and what we can become. I like the final line there. What we can become. What can what I can be. The thing become. is is that the way I see it is that I guess in a lot of ways, acknowledging yourself for who you are means acknowledging those weaknesses too. Yeah. And acknowledging that you have things and maybe even acknowledging that you have things to work on. But that but understanding that that's okay. And it doesn't diminish the glory of who I am. And what's even more interesting that I thought of is that I went through my mind with some of these characters with, I guess, some character from fiction who overcame weaknesses over the course of the story. And I asked them, are they still this same character? Every time I said yes, we're not just our weaknesses. Is and our weakness. And so I guess that's one thing that we need to remember when we finally, as one of my friends said it, and I think that this describes this perfectly because this lesson almost perfectly it, other besides the idea of comparison we need to be comfortable on our own skin yep. I leave you with my testimony that a divine creator is really good at what he does he is really good at what he does what are you telling him when you wish you were someone else I don't like what you made I don't like what you did I think you could have done better and I don't think that's a very safe thing to say the mo to the most divine creator of all. To be honest, I'm kind of reminded of this one scene from Voyage of, from Voyage of the Dawn Treader in the Narnia movie, where Sue, where a Lucy wants Susan's beauty, mm. and when she gets the, and she gets this spell that completely does it but she winds up wishing herself away in the process so they never found narnia all these things never happened because lucy never existed uh, i don't remember exactly what aslan said about it but it's along those lines yep glory in who you are and then your joy will be more full in the good things happening to other people may we lift that burden off of us as we lift it off each one of us, I promise it will have a major impact on your mental and emotional health. The moment you stop tearing yourself down because you're not what someone else is. You embrace who you are. When you do that, your joy will be more full in what they are. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.